We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Season 9 of PuckCast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's fantasy sports talk show. Uh, friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22, as always. And my co-host, once again, for his eighth year on the show, is AJ Scholes, a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. That's very close to Rotowire headquarters, I'll remind you, in Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, we're back for the first of our four preseason pods where we take a look at each division but i want to bring aj in before we go too much further and uh, say how you doing buddy doing well it's been uh, been a bit of a quiet summer uh just from work work wise been focusing a little bit more on uh soccer not sure about you paul but uh yeah i've uh you know ready to get back into the swing of things hockey wise uh i know you've been uh doing some uh ranting and raving as it were about baseball over the summer so uh yeah excited to focus back up on hockey a little bit here yes we are before we dive into that though i want to let our listeners into what i was telling you about before we went to air i've started a youtube channel at pb the Statsman, and it's not affiliated with anybody yet but uh, i'm i'm having a lot of fun with it talking about things that come to mind the baseball season is almost winding down there's a heated pennant race on both sides and playoff race with the wild cards on both sides so i'm having a little fun with that talking about canadian football the nfl giving recaps uh, once a week for what happened in the sunday games and previewing the monday nighters and stuff like that so i'm trying to do uh, all sports except for basketball and soccer right now which uh, you know what you're a soccer guy i'm not going to get a dig in early but it's not one of my favorite sports aj i'll just say that quietly you'll just you'll have to have me on i'll uh, i'll come on and i'll talk uh toronto you know toronto fc and we'll uh we'll go from there all right well aj as is our custom in preseason for the last several years we do a preview of each division and today we're going to talk about the pacific division and uh, we're going to talk about the players that are likely to be drafted in your fantasy drafts so we'll try and set you up to let you know where these players are playing what, if any, new players are showing up on some of these rosters and where they might fit in. And uh, we're not going to go four lines deep or 
eight defensemen deep because the fourth pairing defensemen and the fourth line players aren't likely to be drafted in your pools. We might touch on them if they get call up during the regular season and stuff like that. But for our purposes today, it's all the players that are likely to be drafted and the line combinations and defense pairings that we might see them in. So without further ado, pal, let's go into the Anaheim Ducks offseason and how they might line up. Why don't you take us through the forward lines as you see them and uh, we'll comment on on uh, players that we want, might want to highlight, giving point projections and stuff like that. Yeah, so off the top here, um, pretty familiar group, uh, at least on the first line. We've got uh, Adam Henrique, Trevor Zegras, Troy Terry. Now, obviously, uh, Trevor Zegras is a, a sort of question mark. He's an RFA, uh, no new contract signed yet, so they still have to figure that out at some point. Uh, and they're, to be frank, they're running out of time. To do so, Uh, obviously, he's looking for a big raise off his entry-level deal. Certainly has earned that with his production. So uh, they need to figure that out as quick as they can. Uh, Their first new addition here, Alex Kalorn, comes over from Tampa Bay. A bit of an overpay, if you want to ask me, uh, especially because he won't be playing with exactly the same caliber of player that he used to. He's also 34 years of age, uh, so you're looking at, you know, 35, 36, 37 in the final year of this contract. So uh, that one, they may regret down the road. But Kalorn will pair up with Mason McTavish and Ryan Strom. Third line, looking like Frank Vetrano, Leo Carlson, and Jakob Silverberg. Could be a handful of other guys to get in the mix there as well. Uh, Carlson, uh, a relatively unknown uh, for some people out there, signed a three-year entry-level contract with Anaheim uh, back in July Uh, was the second overall pick in the 2023 NHL draft. So we do currently at Rotowire project him to at least make the opening night roster. Whether he hangs around beyond that kind of nine-game threshold, we'll have to wait and see. But for now, uh, we've got him penciled in as the third-line center. And AJ, I'm going to try and tag some point totals with some of these guys. Look at Zegras, if he's lining up as the number one center, you expect him to be the straw that stirs the drink offensively. Last year, he came off a 65-point season. I think we could see an uptick that takes him up maybe as high as 75 for this season. Troy Terry, the top sniper on this club, I expect him to score more than 23 goals this year and touch the 70-point mark as well. Henrique might be a little bit less than those two guys. Last year, for instance, he totaled 38 points in 66 games. I expect him to do a little bit better than that, but don't expect him to be above a 60-point player. Killorn is an intriguing piece for me, AJ, because he's a new, new guy here. Obviously, the veteran leadership is going to be part of his resume that he brings over and... Uh, Pairing him with McTavish is an interesting thing because he's a second-year pro now, and you expect him to make uh, make strides in his development. He's a guy that looked NHL ready when he was in junior, for my money, and and I think we're going to see a breakout from him this year. Ryan Strom fills out that unit as you suggested, but uh, maybe not a big point getter. Let's switch over to the defense here, uh, AJ, and highlight some of the offensive pieces here that I think are going to make strides in in your fantasy drafts and be noticed. I think. Uh, it boils down to two players, and it looks like they're putting them on the first pairing in Cam Fowler and Jamie Drysdale. Now, Drysdale is a young guy who played only eight games last year, didn't produce any offense, but that shouldn't fool you into thinking that he's not capable. He's a very good offensively skilled player, and I think bringing him in alongside Fowler is an interesting 
ploy because Fowler is definitely the most skilled player that they have among the veterans. He got 48 points last year. But I might like to see these guys split up and, and maybe pair Drysdale with a Radko Gudis as a new piece here and give the uh, offensive uh, responsibilities to Drysdale and let him worry less and take some forays into the offensive zone. So you might see that switch up. Uh, Robert Hag is another newcomer to this fold but uh, an experienced player he only was limited to 32 nhl games played but uh, i submit to you aj the two offensive drivers on the blue line are fowler and drysdale and new faces gudis and hag they're looking like they're linked together on a second pairing but i don't know do you think that they should split them up and and do as i say put offense and defense on two pairings yeah, I generally like that idea, but in this case, uh, I'm, I'm going to go the opposite. I like that they're together in part because, you know, Cam Fowler, 31, has been in the league for a long time. Jamie Drysdale, a decade younger at just 21. I think it'll be a good opportunity for him to really learn uh, from Cam Fowler and, and kind of, you know, take some strides that way. And look, they can split them up uh, on the power play. Maybe they move Drysdale up to power play one. Uh, that'll give him the opportunity to play with some bigger names like Zegris, uh, you know, Henrik, Terry. Um, and then, you know, then they can go from there and have Fowler kind of uh, quarterbacking uh, the second unit. So I think there's a way to split them up and give them both offensive opportunities while keeping that pairing together. All right. Well, that remains to be a seen and we'll maybe have some more insight in that into that situation in coming weeks we'll certainly report it uh, no later than the opening week of the nhl season so things to watch for that's that's our first one in terms of the net mining situation aj john gibson is the guy that's penciled in to be the goalie but he's a little bit disgruntled i think we've heard little whispers that he's not too happy there and uh, there's not much behind him what do you see in the goaltending mix yeah i mean i think they really need to uh to use uh, Gibson and hopefully, uh, you know, keep him around. Um, they've been, you know, statements that he has asked for his release, then counterclaims saying that he absolutely hasn't. So it'll be interesting to see. His name was one that was circulated for a while uh, as far as, um, you know, possibly being traded. That obviously hasn't come to fruition. He does have a decent cap hit at $6.4 million. Uh, not that they couldn't have held on to some of that uh, and and done it that way. So I do think there's some interesting, um, you know, discussion around that. I think if he's on the team, he's absolutely their starter. I doubt they want to go into the season with Alex Stalock or Lucas Dostal as, as their number one. Uh, one other name just to keep an eye out for in terms of the forward combination, Zach Cassian is uh, on a PTO with the, the organization as he tries to earn a contract there so it'll be one to watch and see if he does actually earn a full contract um he could push for you know a top three role uh if he makes the team good call on that one and uh next team up we're going to take a look at is the calgary flames aj and last year they had a bit of a, a step backwards i would say and it came from issues with one of their signature players up front and certainly their top goalie both of them having off seasons we'll get into the the forward situation first, I'll take us through the first three lines that we see. Jonathan Huberto is the guy that I was talking about who had the off year, AJ. Only 55 points after being over 100 the year before. The biggest drop of any frontline player in the league, I would suggest. And he's going to be expected to come back to his former level uh, this year to help drive this offense and take them back into playoff contention. 
he's going to be partnered with Elias Lindholm at center. He's not ranked among the top 10 centers in the league, but certainly a serviceable type. He got 64 points last year in 80 games. And I think he can bounce that figure up a little bit higher, assuming that Huberto, his numbers go in the same direction. The new piece that is figuring to be a frontline player here is Yegor Sharangovich, formerly of the New York, New Jersey Devils. He had 75 games played and 30 points was the total tally. It was a bit of a drop from the year before, and that's what made him expendable in some eyes. But I think with a new opportunity in Calgary, you can see this guy threaten the 50-point mark in this circumstance at the very least this year. On the second line, Dylan Dubé has emerged as a, something of another scoring threat as well. He played 81 games, 45 points the total there. Nazem Kadri had a bit of a lower total than some expected. The 56 points is probably his wheelhouse. He's never been a top, top scorer except for one year in his career. So maybe a 55 to 60 point range is where he'll live uh, going forward, particularly in a second line role. New face that makes the grade here, a former first round draft pick in 2021 is Matthew Coronado. And he's been given an opportunity to play a scoring line role filling out that right wing on the second line. He produced 72 points in 68 games in Harvard, but uh, it's a different kettle of fish in the NHL. I think he might uh, struggle in the early going to to keep that pace. I would pencil him in for more like a 30 to 40 point uh, season at this stage. And if he falters, there's a couple of options on the third line that might move up. Number one on that list is Andrew Mangiapane for my money, AJ, a guy who has proven, proven to be a scorer in the past. 43 points in 82 games last season. I think he should build on that, and he'll probably see some top six minutes at some point this season. He's part penciled in with Michael Backlund at center on the third line and Blake Coleman, who brings some toughness. Both of those guys should threaten the 20-goal mark. So it's pretty nice to look at your third line and say you've got three guys that are capable of reaching the 20-point plateau, 20-goal plateau. What are your observations of this group? Yeah, I mean, I'm as you know, Paul, I'm always excited to see uh, you know the, the collegiate guys uh, make a run and, and see what they can do here. So I'm very, very intrigued out of what uh, they get out of Coronado here and whether he can hold on to that spot. Um, I think if he has any sort of production level like he did at Harvard, uh, obviously, you know, over a point per game, as you highlighted, I'm not quite expecting that, but uh, maybe he could challenge Sharon Govich uh, for that top line spot if he can produce at even, you know, somewhat, you know, a half half point per game pace, I think he would jump up there, uh, maybe even less. You know, as you mentioned, Sharon Govich, 30 points last year. Should see an uptick, I would imagine, playing with Lindholm and Huberto, but uh, maybe not. If he stalls out and, and Coronado can hang on for and make that adjustment, I, th- I think he could uh, really challenge and, and be in the mix there. In terms of the, the defense, I'll take us right into it, Paul. I think you got about three guys to consider. In terms of offensive production, you've got Noah Hannafin, 38 points last year. Rasmus Anderson, they'll make up the first pairing. Anderson, for his part, uh, just one shy of 50 points last season. And then Mackenzie Weger as well, a 30-point uh, producer last year. Obviously, Oliver Shillington had decent uh, offensive production in, in past seasons. Uh, you know, 31 points, or, or yeah, 31 points uh, back in 21 22. Uh, missed off last season for personal reasons. So, if he's in the mix here uh, this year, as we do expect him to rejoin the team, uh, that would give them almost a fourth uh, option there in, in terms of offensive production. So, 
Uh, I would guess, honestly, if, if Shillington's back, uh, maybe even a potential drop for one or more of these guys somewhere. It's hard to have four offensively minded guys competing for limited opportunities, especially, especially when you consider maybe three of them are going to be on power play units. And, and all, uh, you know, in most cases, it's likely only two. Uh, so, yeah, just something to watch on how that shakes down. Who's getting the power play minutes is probably going to be the key here to, you know, figuring out which of these four guys will actually produce offensively this season. One other consideration, AJ, is they're, they're so deep on the blue line, as you implied. I mean, you didn't even mention Jordan Osterley, who I think has some offensive upside to him, too. But there's no fewer than five guys on their roster at the defense position who are in, heading to UFA next year if they don't get contracts signed. So you might see one of uh, Hannafin, Tanev, or Zadorov in trade talks, maybe moved at some point this season. Just something to consider because I think this is a real strength of the club right now. And and you can see that they might want to fill in somewhere else, taking from where they're wealthy and filling in somewhere where they're a little bit weaker. So something to consider when you look at the makeup of this team. But certainly, I agree with you. Anderson and Hannafin seem to be the guys that will carry most of the mail. And Uyghur is not a bad third option either. In terms of the net mining, Jacob Markstrom, AJ, Fall, fell off some of his uh, better seasons, putting up some of the worst numbers in his career. And when you think uh, 2.92 goals against, that's not terrible for a lot of goalies, but it's very subpar for, for Markstrom. And he only had uh, two wins above 500 on the regular season in 44 decisions between 23 wins, 21 losses. The save percentage was sub 900 as well. You're going to have to expect that he. we see an uptick here. I think He'll be buoyed by the fact that they do have a solid defense. And I hope that the some of the other guys on offense pick up their slack a little bit. In the background, though, Daniel Vladar is a guy who other teams are uh, came knocking on the door in the offseason to see if they could pry him loose. They think that highly of him. And really, not a bad second option. And they even have a third one in Dustin Wolf, who's a very highly regarded goalie prospect, had an outstanding year in in the minors last year with the Calgary Wranglers put up some amazing numbers across the board. When you consider a 209 goals against and a 932 save percentage, they're pretty deep at defense and, and in the nets, I think. Uh, what do you think of the net mining situation yourself? Yeah, I mean, they are, they are pretty deep here, but I would imagine we'll see the, the lion's share of the workload going to Markstrom barring any sort of injury concerns. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think we'll see pretty much uh, all all Markstrom. And again, you know, as you mentioned, Paul, for him, nine, you know, two point nine two is a bit of a drop off. But I think uh, Florida Panthers fans that previously saw Markstrom would have loved to have point nine two out of him. His numbers <laughs> back then were pretty bad, and you know, maybe he's still playing for the Panthers if he had numbers like that. So um, yeah, I think I think it'll be mostly Markstrom. Uh, I wouldn't project this to be uh, a you know, a goalie share in, in any sort of situation. This is probably one where you can fairly confidently expect Marchum to play 55, 60 games, which obviously has value in fantasy contests. I'll take us into the Edmonton Oilers next uh, in terms of their forward group. Look, some things never change. Your producers are going to be McDavid and Dreisaitl. Uh, the question only becomes, are they playing on separate lines or together? I think for the most part, we'll see him separated. Uh, you'll have McDavid with Evander Kane. Uh, gone are the days of, uh, uh, I'm blanking on his name, but the new uh, right winger there, uh, Kaylor Yamamoto is gone. That's what yeah, I'm trying to that's say. Right. Connor Brown comes in over from Washington. 
to be the the right winger here. Uh, pretty light, uh, you know, just four games played last season uh, due to some some pretty serious knee injury there. So you have to wonder what you're getting out of him. If it's, you know, a 39, 40 point producer had a 21 goal season uh, with Ottawa just two or three years ago. So anything like that, and and he should really help an already pretty stacked offense. And I think if you have Connor Brown rolling, uh, you're not going to need to shuffle up McDavid and Dreisaitl to have them on the same line. But you have a similar question with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and then Zach Hyman currently making up the second line. RNH is another guy that could drop back to the third line if they needed him to. Um, for now, Ryan McLeod, Matthias Janmark, and Warren Fogel there making up the third line. All those guys should be, I think, in the 30-point range on that third line. Um, but the driver is going to be the, the top two lines offensively. Obviously, we expect McDavid and Drysaddle will be well over 100 points. I think they're hoping probably for a little bit more out of Kane. Decent production, but just 41 games played. So if they can get an 82-game season out of him, if they can get Connor Brown healthy, uh, somehow I think we could say that this offense may have gotten better, uh, which is a strange thing to say when you have two of the best players in the league already on that offense. Well, and it should be noted that Connor Brown's in addition to this roster is linked to the fact that he and, and uh, McDavid have a long history in junior playing together too. So that's, uh, that's something that they're hoping will uh, translate to the NHL. And uh, Brown has uh, the defensive conscience that will be uh, important on that line as well to free up Connor McDavid to do his thing as uh, nobody else can. And in the wings too, if, if Brown should falter, I'm going to keep an eye on Dylan Holloway, AJ. He's a highly regarded guy that broke into the NHL last year, only had nine points in 51 games, but by all accounts has pretty good offensive skill and could be a guy that they plug into a top nine role somewhere, maybe even a top six if Brown should falter. So that's something to keep an eye on. In terms of blue line situation, there's three guys that are going to be productive in the offensive part of the game. Darnell Nurse, certainly one of the toughest guys in hockey as well, produced 43 points in 82 games. He'll be paired with Cody Ceci, who uh, has become something of a, a defensive defenseman specialist and he'll be the the flip side to pr protect a, a nurse from his forays in the offensive end but uh, late season addition last year Matthias Eckholm gets a first full year in 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 Edmonton he produced 32 points on the year last year and should be expected to do at least that much in the offensive environment that he's surrounded with but Evan Bouchard is a third guy AJ that might get a lot of power play reps and uh, has a booming shot produced 40 points in 82 games and I think that's just scratching the surface for him I think he could be the top defensive point producer here yeah I absolutely think uh, that that is a good call Paul I, I really like Evan Bouchard here as a, as a potential a big point producer for them. Uh, Brent Kulak maybe could uh, get a little bit of run. He had 20 points in 82 games last year. So uh, if you're in a deeper format, uh, he could be an option for you as well. This might be uh, one of the bigger question marks we have in terms of net minding heading into the season. You've got Stuart Skinner and Jack Campbell, both under contract heading into the season, uh, Skinner played 50 games last year, Campbell 36. Uh, Campbell's numbers were, frankly, very, very poor. Uh, 341 was his uh, goals against average. 888 was the save percentage. Um, but obviously, he's the one making uh, the significantly higher uh, higher amount here, $5 million a year to Skinner's 26 
So I would expect this to be a battle throughout camp. And I would even, you know, consider Calvin Picard could uh, throw his name into the ha- into the ring here as well um, as, as a potential option. So, yeah, all things uh, to consider. Uh, before I toss and get your thoughts on the goalies, a uh, couple uh, names to consider in terms of the forward ranks. Brandon Sutter looking to make a return after a long absence uh, due to some long COVID issues. Adam Ernie, Sam Gagne, all on PTOs uh, and could challenge for spots there as well. AJ, I think the the cloud over this team is going to hang as long as the, the goaltending situation is a little bit unsettled because they have way too much skill elsewhere, but the goaltending has uh, dragged them down in the last couple of years. Stuart Skinner made a, a nice impression last year, decent numbers with a 275 goals against, 913 save percentage. Can he do it again or can he improve on those numbers are the questions because Jack Campbell uh, has been handed the starting role a couple of times in, in his NHL career and kind of fallen short, if you ask me, when it consider the whole body of work. And uh, the, so the pressure's on one of those two guys to emerge, uh, as you say. But I think they should compete for the top of this division, even with the status quo. A team that could threaten them potentially is the Los Angeles Kings, partner. I, I think this team has uh, a lot of depth down the center of the ice, one of the richest in terms of that situation. When you consider Anze Kopitar, Pierre-Luc Dubois, new to the club after coming over from Winnipeg, and... Philip Deneau uh, as the top three centers. Deneau was a t- second-line center, but one of the best defensive uh, centers as well. So each of those guys has a strong two-way game, and each of them can be, you know, at least a 55 to 90 points in terms of Kopitar maybe. But uh, Dubois, I don't know where he's going to land. Uh, he got 73 last year in 73 games, so uh, at least that's a point-per-game rate. They'd love to see that as a second-line center. There's not too many guys that do that, so... That is the key and and the strength of this squad. In terms of filling out the top nine, Quinton Byfield, they're expecting him to break out at some point. Last year, only 22 points in 53 games. So they'd like to see him take the next step in his development as a former first high first-round pick. Adrian Kempe led the team in goal scoring with 41 last year. So an outstanding offensive year. They'd love a repeat of that and uh, have him approach the 70-point mark. Kevin Fiala was signed to this club last year and topped the 70-point mark and uh, They'd like to see him do that again, maybe score a few more than 23 goals that he got, but 49 helpers suggest he's pretty good in terms of setting up plays too. Victor Arvidsson completes the top six look with 26 goals and 33 assists in 77 games. That's a 60-point pace on a regular season that they'd love to see out of him. So a pretty solid-looking top six, assuming Quinton Byfield takes the next step. In terms of uh, third-line players who, who can contribute offense, Trevor Moore, 29 points in 59 games. Philip Deneau, as I said, 56, 54 points in 82 games. Arthur Kaliev with 13 goals and 15 helpers last year in only 56 games. So pretty nice depth offensively, AJ, and maybe you throw in a guy like Blake Lazat to uh, uh, if any of those other guys get hurt or falters. He got 34 points in 81 games. I like the depth of this offense in short. Yeah, I, I love the, you know, the PLD acquisition, I think, uh, was was a good one. Not sure I would have necessarily given him an eight-year deal, but uh, <laughs> I, I do think it was a it was a good signing. You know, center has been a, a bit of a question mark for them. Uh, you know, behind Anze Kopitar, who's you know no spring chicken right now um, at 36 years of age. Although I don't know what that means for me, as I'm also 36. Um, so um, anyway. Uh, so I think it helps bolster their middle um, at the expense of, you know, mostly some some wingers. And I think that's a, a spot that they were um, 
a, a little deep on. You know, they you follow Gabriel Velarde, uh, Rasmus Kupari, like all decent uh, pieces to to give away in order to get Pierre Luc Dubois and really give themselves a solid uh, second line center here. In terms of the defensemen and productivity there, you're looking uh, primarily everything's going to run through Drew Doughty. That has not changed. Uh, 52 points in 81 games last season. There's not really a ton after that. Um, other, you know, Gavrikov had 19 points. M- Mikey Anderson had 20. Um, the one maybe question mark would be would be Brant Clark uh, and whether or not he can step forward. Um was a, a pretty good season uh, or high point producer in the OHL last season, 61 points in 31 games, uh, has done really well at the junior level, which is why he was taken eighth overall back in the 2021 draft. Just nine games played for Los Angeles last year and played just five games uh, in the AHL. So we haven't seen a lot of him at the professional level uh, but he is one name to maybe keep an eye on. Um, you know, if you're in a redraft league, maybe you grab him late just to see if he can make that next step. Because outside of Dowdy, there's not anybody really for my money that's a heavy point producer on this team. Uh, and Brant Clark could be that option if if given a chance. Yeah, I like that call, but I also like the, the Matt Roy situation. Nine goals last year in 50, 82 games. That tells me he has some offensive uh chops uh, from the back end so the i'll say he's kind of the third guy with a question mark i like your call on brand clark though he might have the breakthrough season former first round pick in the 2021 draft defensemen kind of take a couple of years to develop so he would be on pace if he makes that breakout this season and he should be given ample opportunity to do so in this circumstance in terms of the net mining situation look it's very thin especially when you look around the league uh cam talbot was brought over and uh and uh, had a pedestrian year last year, but with a 293 goals against an 898 save percentage, 33 decisions on in 36 appearances. He's at the head of the class, but it's it's a pretty thin group when you consider Phoenix Copley and David Riddich are behind him in the pecking order. Rich, a new arrival from Winnipeg. So two of the three guys came from elsewhere. Copley is the only one who is familiar with the layout of the dressing room right now, but uh, it's it's kind of a murky uh, situation in the Nets, AJ, I would say. Oh, absolutely. I think there's no clear starter on, on day one. Any one of those three guys, I think, could be uh, in the in the mix there for, for the starting job. So it's definitely um, a, a tricky situation for them to figure out. Uh, they're going to have to figure that out early. And I would suggest that that's probably not a situation that will be resolved during training camp. I'm sure they'll name an, an opening night starter, but it uh, will probably be what have you done for me lately um, for, for a lot of those guys and, and who do they risk sending down to the minors uh, potential to be picked up from, from another team or do they carry three goalies, which uh, not impossible, but uh, pretty unique to go that route over in San Jose. Uh, we're looking at Alexander Barbanov, Logan Couture, and Luke Kunin as the top line. Not much change there. It's the middle three here uh, that we've seen some some shifting around. Mike Hoffman comes over from Montreal. He had 34 points in 67 games last year. Anthony Duclair from Florida played just 20 games last season, nine points. So you'd like to see, uh, you know, if he can be, you know, fully healthy and, and really break into this 
a lineup with with some consistency here. Uh, you know, can he get back to being uh, a heavy point producer? He missed a lot of the start of the season, but was coming off a 58 point campaign back in 21. Uh, 22. So we'll we'll see what he has to offer. Those two new additions will surround Tomas Hurdle of you know 22 goal season for him last year. So uh, they've got some potential there. Uh, can Duclair get back to the player he was? Can Mike Hoffman hang on for another year uh, as he you know becomes a, an established veteran? Um, the third line is uh, not great. I'll be blunt about it. Uh, you've got Kevin LeBanc who could, you know, if Duclair drops off, maybe LeBanc moves up there. Uh, William Eklund is, you know, a young player. You'd like to see him uh, get some more opportunities, has played just 17 games at the NHL level so far in his career. So looking for him to take the next step. And then uh, Mikael Granlin comes in to be the, the third line center. And I will avoid saying too many things about him. Uh, anybody that knows or watched his show last season when he was with Pittsburgh uh, knows that I'm not a fan. Um, arguably the worst edition of, of Hextall's career with Pittsburgh, which led to his departure. So that's about the nicest thing I can say about Miko Granlin. Um, Paul, any other thoughts on the forward group here? Well, Philip Sedina was a former high draft pick too, AJ, with Detroit. And he comes over to this situation with ample opportunity to, to move up when you consider some of the names and some of the impressions you've left our listeners with what you've said about some of the other forwards. He got only seven points in 30 games played, but he's capable of much more than that. And you wonder if he has his head on straight, he should be able to move up on the depth chart. So I'll keep an eye on him, but wouldn't recommend him except for anything in the deeper leagues. I like your call on Anthony Duclair as a, a, one of the other new faces who should do well here if he can stay healthy. I'm not as confident with Mike Hoffman. He's had ample opportunity to get great situations in a couple of different stops around the NHL, but really hasn't put it, put it all together. 34 points in 67 games when Montreal used him quite a bit, even in special teams, is not enough to, to make me look in that direction if I need a forward to fill out my depth chart, even if I go into the deepest part of an NHL draft, AJ. So anyway, I'm going to... I'm going to suggest that uh, Kapu Kakinen is a guy. Sorry, let's look at the defense, AJ, and talk about the the blue liners there. And uh, let's see, Mario Ferraro is a guy who has local ties here in the York region in uh, Ontario, near where I live. So I'm well aware of his background. He's a rugged guy, uh, not known for scoring, though, 11 points in 72 games played. And uh, boy, oh boy. He's, uh, he might be the best offensive piece that they have here. Matt Benning, 24 points, uh, will challenge that. But they really lost a lot when Eric Carlson left the organization last year in a trade. And uh, there's not much behind him. Mark Edward Blasek has a big contract with 18 points. Jan Ruta with uh, nine. They're veteran players, but not known for the offense here. And I don't know if there's any help even in Kyle Burroughs, who comes over from Vancouver with similar low totals, five and 48 games played, A.J. Yeah, it's uh, they obviously sold from a position of strength in uh, trading Eric Carlson, who uh, clearly I don't think wanted to be back. So, yeah, they've been left. I mean, honestly, he had 100 points last year uh, doing some quick math. Yeah, the rest of this roster doesn't even come close to uh, combining for that sort of total. So a big, big drop there in terms of the net mining here. Uh, another situation where I, you know, we have Capo Kakinen kind of penciled in as a starter. 
Um, but Mackenzie Blackwood coming off that injury uh, kind of plague season, a couple of seasons, actually just 22 games played last year, had 10 wins. Um, the goals against average was 3.2, the save percentage, eight, nine, three. So not outstanding numbers, but when you consider, you know, how much time he missed, uh, due to injury, uh, I think if he can bounce back, he should challenge for the starting job here, uh, and, you know, give, uh, Capo Kakinen a, a run for his money. Yeah. I like Mackenzie Blackwood's chances of, of, uh, unseating Kakinen here. He's ha- had a couple of tries to grab onto a top role in the net mining but the 9 20 and 7 mark tell you all you need to know that he failed last year behind a pretty tough situation i'll, I'll give him that but the 385 goals against an 883 save percentage or something that mackenzie blackwood should do better than that for his part his numbers were 320 and 893 albeit with a much better club in new jersey so that should be a battle that we'll watch uh, the training camp notes to see if they make a decision or if they let it play out and have these guys split the role over the rest of uh, the season. AJ, at this point, we'll take a bit of a breather, but before we go to break, I want to have you talk about uh, underdog fantasy, AJ, the number one platform for best ball leagues, uh, including fantasy hockey. What can you tell our listeners about that company? Yeah. Underdog, uh, I think, you know, primarily known uh, for uh, their, their fantasy football leagues, uh, but with that in full swing, uh, best ball formats have turned their attention to NBA and, of course, NHL as well. So Underdog uh, featured best ball tournament for the upcoming season has $125,000 in total prizes. If you haven't tried Underdog yet, uh, new Underdog users receive a first time deposit bonus up to $100 and a free six month subscription to Rotowire. So I don't I don't know how you beat that. Uh, promo code for both of those uh, bonuses is RWNFL. That's promo code RWNFL. Visit underdogfantasy.com or download the app today. And again, use that promo code RWNFL to claim your free Rotowire subscription and deposit bonus. All right, AJ, I'm going to give you a chance to collect your breath. Let's take a short break and we'll come back. You're listening to podcast with Statsman and AJ. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Folks. All right, we're back, and you're listening to the first of four preseason pods today. We're going through the Pacific Division of the NHL, giving you our thoughts on the depth charts and what line combinations, defense pairings, and goalie situation with each of the eight clubs. And stick around for the end of the show where AJ and I are going to put our predictions out for the order of finish. It's always something we have fun with, and uh, some bragging rights are at stake every season, it seems, and we have a lot of fun with that segment. So hang on till the end for that bit. And uh, without further ado, I'll have it thrown to my partner to take a look at the Seattle situation from the forward ranks. Yeah, pretty stagnant uh, in terms of additions really across this team. Um, You've got uh, Jared McCann, Matty Beneers, and Jordan Eberle as the top line really worked great together last season. McCann, 40-goal season. Beneers, 24. Uh, Jordan Eberle, 63 points, including 43 assists. I would expect this unit to continue just thriving there. Jaden Schwartz, Alex Wenberg, and Andre Burakovsky making up the second line here. Uh, Schwartz with a 21-goal season. Wenberg and Burakovsky picking up plenty of assists there as well. Um, so I, I think it's more of the same for this. I, I would expect, you know, maybe McCann doesn't quite hit 40 goals, um, but I wouldn't expect a significant drop off. I'm not suggesting he'll be, you know, limited to only 20. I would imagine somewhere in the 30 range is, is more than capable for him. But again, maybe he does put together another another 40 point season there. Third line, you're looking like uh, Eli Tolvanen. Yanni Gord and Oliver Bjorkstrand. We did mention Kyler Yamamoto. Um, I, I wouldn't really, I, I know some people are going to expect him to maybe push for a third line role and, and maybe I'm wrong here, but if you can't rack up more than 16 points in 58 games, when most of your opportunities come playing with Connor McDavid, I don't know how you're expected to produce uh, in a bottom six role with Seattle, anything more than that. So uh, maybe he could challenge, you know, Bjorkstrand, but I would imagine his ability to move into the top nine will probably be more tied to injuries uh, in, in that situation. So, yeah, uh, pretty, pretty good top two lines. 
Things drop off a little on the third line, but you did get Tolvanen with 18 goals in 61 games. Bjorkstrand had a 20-goal season. Um, so hard to complain about two potential 20-goal scorers in your bottom uh, – or in your third line, rather. Yeah, and you've got yeah, got Brandon Tanev down there, too, in the depth chart. 16 goals and 19 assists in a full season of action. So that's pretty good depth on the Seattle circumstance. I'm not quite as high on Jared McCann's possibility of repeating a 40-goal season. That seems to me like when you look back at his hockey card down the road – that's going to be a career best for him. I expect him to regress to the mean, which should translate to more of a 30-goal season situation. Matty Beniers, though, had a fine rookie campaign, 57 points in 80 games. You might see him threaten a 70-point mark as his uh, career unfolds. For my, I got a lot of time for Jordan Eberle. I think this is a great situation for him. Uh, I always say one of the smartest guys in the NHL and one of the better puck-moving playmaking wingers too so not a bad circumstance for veneers when you got a sniper like mccann and a smart guy like eberty to surround you a pretty good place to grow up in the in the nhl but uh, like you said i like the offensive depth here and uh, they did well when they did their expansion draft filling out that roster uh, not too many teams can boast a nine pack like this and and have a guy like tan have even in reserve as a fourth liner and they did similarly well on the blue line i think with maybe a, not quite a as outstanding, but some quality when you consider Vince Dunn put together maybe the quietest 64-point season I've, I've ever seen from an NHL defenseman, but he's definitely the frontline guy and the guy that carries the, the mail and the power play here. He'll be flanked by Adam Larson, who's a pretty good defensive defenseman, but when you consider eight goals and 25 assists, not too bad as well in terms of offensive contributions. And those continue with Jamie Oleksiak, who may have the best shot from the point of any of the blue liners here and produced 25 points, including nine goals in 75 games. I expect him to be a little bit higher than that this time around. I might even see say he threatens the 40-point mark uh, to join Vince Dunn as a guy who's at least half a point per game on the regular season. Yeah, I, I solidly agree, Paul. I, I honestly don't have much more to add um, to the, the defenseman uh, group there. Um, you've got, uh, you know, a bottom pairing of, of Dumoulin and Schultz. So a couple of former Penguins there. Actually, Jamie Oleksiak was a former Penguin too. So uh, they're just <laughs> racking up former Penguins on, on this blue line. Schultz is uh, a guy that definitely could be, uh, you know, given a, a run on the, the power play opportunities. In terms of the net mining, it'll be uh, the Philip Grubauer show uh, heading into this season. Played just 39 games last year. I would expect that to creep back up closer to what he did his first year with Seattle, closer to 55. Um, and so I would expect you'll see, uh, you know, a, a lot heavier workload for him. Joey Decord, Chris Dreger, both in the organization. But uh, I would expect Grubauer to carry the, the load for them. Yeah, and I, I'm looking for Chris Dreger to be the backup uh, as the regular season unfolds. He he was uh, relegated to the minors for much of last season, but he showed me more in the early part of his career than Decord. So I would give him the nod in the backup situation and see he could, he could probably play as many as 30 games uh, this season as well. Uh, we go next to the Vancouver Canucks, AJ, and a lot of off-season noise about this club. Uh, Anthony Beauvillier lines up as first-line winger, but Elias Patterson, the signature player on offense, over 100 points last year. And if they can get his contract situation sorted out, the sooner the better there because they don't want to mess around with a guy who is a 100-point caliber player but a circumstance to watch for as the training camp unfolds. They'll be joined by Andre Kuzmenko, who's the trigger man on this line, and uh, threatened 40 goals last season, just like 
Ederson, and he should do the same thing. He's a very talented player and full marks for playing on the top line here. So for me, Beauvillier is the lucky guy who trails these guys in terms of point expectation. He had 40 in 82 games last year. Should do better than that if he gets to play with these guys all season long. Ilya Mikhaev, a former Maple Leaf a uh, good two-way player, 29 points in 46 games, but he's had a lot of injury trouble, AJ, and you just hope that he can get a full season out of him uh, on one wing. The other side, Brock Besser with less noise around him than uh, last year and a half, a bit of a troubled time, a death in the family. I think his father passed away and it really dragged him down a bit, and uh, the numbers were a little substandard in that period. Consider 55 points in 74 games. He, that should be his floor. He should do much better than that. The guy that's going to drive this line, though, J.T. Miller, another point-per-game center in this division. That's a luxury. I don't think too many teams can point to that, so a nice one-two punch with Pedersen and Miller. The guy who's the third-line center has, has been a, a solid two-way player in his time. Played with Detroit last year. I'm talking about Pius Sutter, 24 points in 79 games, and a pretty good spot for him in the third line here. Connor Garland is a guy who came with some fanfare, but has settled into a third line role despite 46 points in 81 games. So that's pretty good depth on the third line. Uh, to fill that out, they have Dakota Joshua, who they hope can take a next step in his development. He was limited to 23 points in 79 games. I could see a little bit of an uptick there, threatening 30-point mark. But beyond that, AJ, not a lot in terms of threatening the top nine players here, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I really think uh, this is a pretty set set group there. Um, if you know, maybe maybe Teddy Bluger for Pius Sutter, depending on production levels out of Suter, but you're not going to get high production out of Teddy Bluger. So I, I honestly, it'd probably be more if like Sutter's like defensive responsibilities were really bad um, that that you might see that switch made. Um, the the question you brought up, Paul, about Elias Patterson is really an interesting one. Uh, yeah. 7.35 million is the contract this season. Uh, that signed when, you know, his numbers were 60 points per, per year. And then they, you know, they jump up uh, to, to 102. Uh, obviously he'll be an RFA. So they're not really super, you know, needing to sign him ahead of time. The question becomes, do you sign him now and say, well, we're going to give you this much because you only had 100 <laughs> point season or do you wait till after the season and then run the risk of like him doing it again? And now you've got a guy who's got two 100 point seasons. A guy with one 100 point season is a lot less expensive than a guy with two of them. So um, it's an interesting decision for the organization to, to see where they want to go with that. In terms of the blue line here, uh, your offensive production going to primarily come, of course, from Quinn Hughes. Seven goals, 69 assists last season. But don't sleep on Philip Ronick, 39 points last year. Um, that's really about going to be it. Carson Sousey was a signing from Seattle, 16 points. Maybe you see that creep up with a little bit more of an offensive uh, opportunity here. Tyler Myers, Ian Cole, both more defensive guys. Christian Mullanen falls in that category for me as well. So uh, I think it's, it's, you know, very similar to LA in the sense that you're going to get uh, production out of one kind of main guy in Quinn Hughes, and, and then maybe Philip Ronick trip uh, chips in a little bit as well. 
And this is another circumstance, AJ, where the two offensive pieces are partnered together. I don't like it. I'd like to see them split it up because neither Susie or Myers is noted as much of a puck carrier. So that could be, while it's considered a defensive shutdown pair, they're going to have trouble moving and keeping up with the pace of play because they're both on the slow side. So I think you look, I look for them to split the two offensive guys up here and, and pair them with the defensive slow pokes, I'll say. In terms of a net-minding situation, Thatcher Denko has a clear path to the number one role again, but he has to do better than the numbers he posted last year. 316 was the goal is against average. 901 was the save percentage. The situation uh, is that he played 32 games in, a, in an injury-riddled season. They need to get him up around 50 to 60 games played, I think, because it's a little questionable behind him. Spencer Martin, his last year uh, wound up prematurely. He had some troubles that uh, precluded him from completing the campaign, a 399 goals against average and an 871 save percentage far below the expectations of a guy who uh, had more of an upside forecast for him. And so he's got some work to do before uh, I place any trust with him, AJ. And I don't think Arthur Silovs is quite ready for the big show yet. So that Thatcher Denko has to carry the mail here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think that's all we really need to uh, to say about that one, Paul. We'll move on to uh, the defending champs, the Vegas Golden Knights here, uh, and uh, look at their lineup, which uh, doesn't look any different, to be totally <laughs> honest. Uh, at least in terms of additions, um, they haven't, they didn't really add any guys uh, along here. We've got uh, Ivan Barbashev. Up with Jack Eichel and Jonathan Marchessault. Uh, obviously, William Carlson, or not William Carlson, uh, who am I thinking of that uh, left? They lost somebody. But anyway, Ivan Barbashev and Jack Eichel with Marchessault as the top line. All three guys, uh, you know, Eichel was only 67 games played last year, Marchessault 76. So you, if those guys can stay healthy, I think they easily can both eclipse uh, 30, 30 goals this season. We've got uh, Brett Howden, Chandler Stevenson, and Mark Stone uh, as as the third line here. Uh, Stone with uh, 38 points last season, but just 43 games played. So again, another uh, healthy guy, Riley Smith. I, I I knew it was a penguin. That's why it was bothering me so much, Paul. Thank you <laughs> for throwing that to me uh, <laughs> uh, here. So yeah, Mark Stone, uh, if he gets healthy, plays a full 82 game season. He's easily a 20, 20 goal guy. If, if not another 30 goal producer, Chandler Stevenson, I'm finally going to stop throwing shade at him as the, the top six center. Um, he's, he's, you know, every year I feel like I've said, yeah, he, he just doesn't feel like a second line center to me. He's got back-to-back 60 point seasons, um, you know, racks up a ton of assists, gets time on the power play. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to throw down and, and admit that I was wrong on Chandler Stevenson here and, and, you know, say he is easily a second line center. I think your question is maybe Brett Howden, uh, just 13 points, 54 games played last year. Maybe you have uh, William Carrier could be an option to move up. Maybe a, a younger guy like, uh, you know, Keegan Colasar, um, Max Comtois, an addition to this team, could be an option there as well. So uh, I think that's maybe their weakest spot in that top six. We've got Paul Cotter, William Carlson, Michael Amado as the third line here as well. So uh, Carlson is another player could shift to the wing if they wanted to uh, and put him on the second line if they needed to. 
You mentioned Max Comtois. Of course, he's there on a PTO, AJ, I believe. So uh, position not guaranteed. But I look at the games played for some of these guys last year, and it suggests that there could be an uptick in performance even better for the Stanley Cup champions during the regular season when you consider Brett Howden, 54 games played. Mark Stone, only 43 games played. Paul Cotter, 55. Michael Amadeo, 67. Carrier, 56. Nicholas Roy, 65, and Colasar, 74. So, you know, not any of them threatened to be a game uh, game decision every night. They've missed some time. So I think that uh, they can do even better than numbers they put together. Of course, Barbashev will get his first full season here, coming off a 45-point campaign, and I think he should do better than that. And Jack Eichel, fueled by an outstanding playoff, should finally have that breakout season where he threatens a 100-point mark. That's my hot take on this club this season. I think... The future is bright for this core, and uh, they're not done yet. I think they could be at the top of the league for a while. Uh, we look at the defense circumstance, and the two Alexes are the guys that are front and center on the top pairing. Martinez with 14 points. Pietrangelo, 54 points. That's See, you've got a defensive-minded guy there with a top-notch offensive player. That's the way I would do it. It's, uh, it continues with the second pairing. Braden McNabb, 17 points in 82 games played. Shea, Shea Theodore, a guy who can handle the point on the power play to spell Pietrangelo from time to time, produced 41 points. So they have two very solid options from the back end. And you wonder if maybe Zach Whitecloud makes a step in that direction too, playing 59 games, only 12 points last year. But I think he's another guy with some offensive upside. Nicholas Haig and Ben Hutton round out the squad, but they're more defensive specialists. So AJ, three pieces, I think, that could be offensive catalysts, two guaranteed and one in waiting, I'll say. Yeah, absolutely. Zach Whitecloud, the, the player I would say probably has the most uh, additional upside uh, to your comment about games played. Shea Theodore, just 55. Zach Whitecloud, 59. So uh, guys that could just see more uh, or higher numbers rather surely by playing uh, more games if, if they can stay healthy. And that's uh, that extends into the net minding here as well. Uh, Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson project to be the the one two. Obviously, Hill with the fantastic uh, postseason that ended with with lifting the Stanley Cup, eleven and four in sixteen games. We have him as the starter. Uh, Logan Thompson as well, uh, an option. Uh, you know, I think technically speaking, Robin Leonard is still under contract uh, for a couple more years. I have not heard. Any updates uh, recently on, on whether or not he would be back? I'm not sure if you've heard anything, Paul. LTIR. Yep. So another year, it sounds like, of, of that. So um, pretty much probably, I would gather at this point, pretty much career over there. So uh, it'll be uh, Hill and Thompson. I think it's probably an open competition, even though Hill – had that fantastic postseason, but he'll uh, with the inside track for sure. And it's that inside track that caused some headlines so far, AJ, even before they get to camp. Logan Thompson's already on record saying as he wants out, he doesn't want to be second fiddle here, thinking that he did enough during the regular season and kind of was shunned and shunned, shunned aside in the playoffs when Aiden Hill got hot at the right time and uh, was the guy a goalie of record when they won the cup. So Thompson might be maybe coming in with a bit of a sour attitude. I would, if I were him, I'd channel out the performance on the ice and let the chips fall where they may, because he's in a pretty good circumstance. Now, who knows if he gets traded to a hockey outpost, how he feels about that circumstance. 
In any case, we have reached the end of the, the first divisional preview show almost, but without further ado, I'm going to turn it back to AJ to give us his list of the order of final standings at the end of the regular season for the eight teams in the Pacific Division. Making me go first here, Paul. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we basically said that, you know, Vegas didn't really add anything, but they didn't get significantly worse either. So for my money, I still put them at the top of, of this the uh, of this division. There's still some question marks. Obviously, we mentioned uh, the goaltending, but I, th- I think honestly the goaltending question marks are good problems to have here. So I've got Vegas up top uh, and then Edmonton, just too much offense for this team not to be uh, on top here as well. Uh, the Kings have questions about net mining, so I'm still going to put them third overall um, because of the rest of the roster. I like the Pierre-Luc Dubois addition. Calgary comes in fourth for me. I expect a bounce back year out of them. Uh, Jacob Markstrom as well as, as some of the offensive pieces here, which drops Seattle uh, to fifth for me, really through no fault of their own. I, I, that's probably the one spot I'm least confident about is where Seattle finishes. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they were upwards of three in this division, but right now just looking at the teams, I got to put them fifth. I've got Vancouver coming in sixth. Uh, you know, the, the pieces are there as well. They could have, you know, a, a boom year, but it's kind of a weak bottom six. Uh, in Vancouver and then Anaheim in seventh San Jose in eighth we talked about the fact that San Jose has pretty much no blue line to speak of in terms of offensive production questions at goaltending as well Um, and some bets on some players uh, getting back to where they were uh, in Hoffman and in Duclair so I put San Jose at last that's how I break it down Paul Uh, what are you looking at here I had originally put Edmonton first in this division, but I convinced myself during the course of this show, AJ, when we started looking at the Vegas lineup and no changes to a a lineup that really should be better this year, just because of better health, I'll say. I got Vegas first like you and Edmonton second. Then there's a bit of a drop-off. I think those two are clearly the cream of the crop. I'm going to put Seattle third. I like the, the solid nature of their offensive and defensive depth. I think the goaltending will sort itself out during the course of the season. And uh, they'll do enough to stay third in this division, I think. Uh, Just a notch ahead of L.A. Because I don't like L.A.'s goaltending situation at all. I think that their offense is going to carry them as far as they're going to go. And maybe that's just a a lap ahead of Vancouver. I think Vancouver is a team that could threaten for the top four in this division. Uh, They get the Pedersen situation sorted out. I like their offense. I like the two-headed monster on defense in terms of offensive catalysts. And Thatcher Denko, a complete season out of him, should help in that regard too. I've got Calgary still struggling to make the grade in this division, AJ. Uh, they, They will be in the middle of the standings here. They need Huberto to have that big bounce back season, but I'm a little bit concerned of their offensive depth. When you consider, we mentioned a couple of teams in this division were three deep in terms of quality at center. Calgary, I don't think can say that. So uh, they need Kadri and uh, Lindholm to really deliver the goods in the middle of the ice here because it falls off a little bit after them. And then, like you said, up the track, Anaheim and San Jose, there's, it's going to be a long season in California for these two teams. Uh, they might have a state rivalry, but uh, that's all that is uh, the case for those two clubs bringing up the rear. So uh, with that, AJ, we reached the end of our first preview show. We've got three more uh, coming up. Uh, the next week, we'll, we'll talk about the other division in the Western Conference. 
the central group, but uh, a very interesting layout, lay of the land. We've got almost three tiers in the in this division, I would say. Uh, your final thoughts? Yeah, I would agree with that, Paul. I think uh, three, uh, three clear tiers here. Um, Vegas and Edmonton on top, Seattle, Calgary, LA and Vancouver. Those four could shuffle around. They'll be battled for, for playoff spots there. Uh, and then Anaheim and San Jose at the bottom here. So yeah, looking forward to uh, getting into the rest of these and getting into the, the rest of the season. And AJ, to, to that point, and the, the, the regular season format of this show is going to look a lot different this season. We're going to have more guest time, more uh, fewer uh, runs through 30 teams deep. We're going to try and give you the top stories on a week-to-week basis. Certainly the hot scorers, the guys in slumps, and the guys that are moving up and down the rosters will still be a factor in our, our lay of the land. But we're not going to give you you know, thir- a look at 30 teams when – 10 or 12 might not be making any noise at all. So it gives us more time to flush out storylines where they need to be flushed out, AJ is what I'll say. And uh, so I think that's something that we agreed on. We'll test drive it with the addition of some uh, guests who we will look forward to having weave them into the process as well. So a bit of a new look for a podcast with Statsman and AJ this season, and we hope you'll enjoy it. Thanks for listening to RotoWire's podcast with Statsman in fact. And AJ, and uh, please note our next episode will come your way with our second divisional preview when we look at the Central Division Group. As I said, as always, we remind you that we're here to assist you with all things relating to your enjoyment of fantasy hockey. And uh, we encourage you to send your comments or questions on Twitter, where you can also follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJSholes24. I'm not going to call it X, AJ. It doesn't work for me. So that'll be the sign off for this week. So long, everybody.